A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. If I bleed tonight, if I am sad tonight, I don't have a job to find. And if I work tonight, I'm so tired tonight, I'll fall asleep when I'm home, when I'm Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the Power Slam podcast here on Patreon a day early or wherever you get your podcasts on Friday. My name is Kenny, joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin. Finn, how are you this, I was going to say fabulous summer. It's not really been a fabulous summer in Scotland weather-wise. I'm sure it's been better down where you are. Well, we had that amazing weather in June, didn't we? Where it was just totally boiling yeah. and like, wow, this is hot. And then it rained all of July. I guess it's all right today, so it's not too bad. Listen, Kenny, there's enough moaning and groaning out there in the world. You know, let's not add to it here on this podcast. Well, I'll remind you of that when we start talking to AEW and all in a few minutes. But, but until then, um, we, let, we we obviously want to talk about Raw because we didn't get a chance to on Tuesday because we were, you know, sort of talking about the Punk situation yeah. And SmackDown, um, I should mention just for sort of clarity, apparently, according to multiple reports, Punk had nothing to do with Hangman Adam Page not being at Collision. Um, there has been a story that's come out though that I just did want to get your take on uh, because it, it, it made me laugh. So apparently, uh, Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, there was an incident with Perry and CM Punk. So I wanted to just kind of tell you about the incident, you probably know about it already, and then just get your take. So... <laughs> Apparently, uh, Punk had recently got into disagreement with Jack Perry at Collision. So during an early Collision episode in Canada, uh, Perry wanted to use real glass in a backstage segment where he would be he would he would basically take a take a, a shot of with real glass. 
Yeah. And Punk, Punk immediately sort of pushed back against it and said it was a safety hazard. Um, people like Tony Schiavone were objecting to it, saying you shouldn't be using that. And they reportedly had uh, an exchange where Punk said something along the lines of, you can do that on Wednesday if you want, but you're not doing it on Saturdays. And um, right after this was when the company had initiated those guidelines, which included uh, performers cannot use real glass without receiving permission from the office beforehand. Um, Punk had told Jungle Boy that Collision doesn't have segments of that ilk and advised (laughs) him to stay on Dynamite if he had a problem with it. Um, Punk side say that Jack Perry threw a tantrum. Jack Perry sides are saying that Punk was aggressive to him. Um, the planned glass spot was was also objected to by doctors. I mean, in this one, no matter what side you you hit, it's it's hard to not agree with Punk on that one at least. That the real glass was a dumb idea. Well, of course it was a real. Of course it was a really idiotic idea. And like, how was it even suggested? How did it even reach the point where an argument was possible? This should have been shut down long before then. Yeah. Like long before. It shouldn't have even got to the point where there was any discussion about it. It's like, no, you cannot use glass. The end. Yeah. Well, because I think one of the one of the kind of rumored stories was that he wanted to use glass because real glass because and I mean, this sounds like I'm making this up. It's going back to our Tesco analogy from the other day of me working on the tills and you being in the back. But um, that like Perry wanted the next week off, so he thought if he used the glass, he could, I'm like, surely if you need a week off or something, you can just say, "Can I have this day off because I've got this thing on that I need to go to?" Like, surely, surely you can do that rather than for a genuine injury, so you could have the next week off. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, that's that's one of the stories. I mean, I mean, if that doesn't just sum up the current state of this company, I don't know what I don't know what does. <laughs> I mean, it's just like you can't do that. It's, oh, I'm just going to suffer deliberately injure myself so that I have next week off because <laughs> I want to go to the beach or the theme park or you know go skiing or whatever he had planned. Probably not skiing in the middle of summer, but you know what I mean. I know, I know. Well, I mean, basically, I mean, look, I'm not here to be like WWE is amazing and AEW is terrible. I'm not saying it to be like that, but I think one thing that WWE does do a little bit better than AEW that that AEW need to get a grip on is there's so many stories that are coming out, whether they're true or not. There's so many stories that are coming out oh, all the time. You know, and the thing about Hangman Adam Page, whether it was Punk's doing or not, that he was um, uninvited or unbooked or however you want to phrase it at the Collision event. He was obviously linked to this, wasn't yep. he? Yeah. Because it was because he was there that Hangman Adam Page was then said was then told not to go there. So whether he caused it or not, he was the reason it happened. Yeah, and then it's like you know because then the PWN side had reported that in actuality Page was never meant to be at the Collision Building. He was always going to be going doing a pre-tip somewhere else. So if that's the case. All this stuff is leaked that's just caused this unnecessary drama about this situation when you've got five other ones that have leaked or whatever. And it's like, you know, I, I don't know who leaks information or who doesn't, but, you know, in, at least in WWE, WWE, obviously, there is information that leaks. We know that. We see it all the time. But there's very yeah. rarely specific, you know, very rarely we get, you know, Gunther is really upset with Nakamura over a backstage, and you know if that happened, very rarely do you hear anything like that. No, uh, because they no. they know that if they did it, 
that WWE would really crack down on those things coming out. They would they would not be pleased about it. And that's AEW has to get the same because otherwise it just feels like this company that everybody's you know, because I think it was Moxley even said Moxley had said in an interview when he was on Renee Paquette's podcast a couple of months ago, and he said I can't remember the exact line, but it was roughly, you know, I've worked in the Indies, I worked in WWE, and I've never seen so much bullshit drama in my yeah. life as I have yeah. here. And he loves being in AEW, so it's not like he's somebody who's wanting to bash the company. He loves being there. He's always championing them, and even he's saying that, so it's not great. No, it's not. I mean, so anyway, did you finish the story about Jack Perry and the glass? Yes, that's the end of the story. Right. Okay. So, so I mean, firstly, if if Real Glass is banned on collision or in AEW without special permission, and he hadn't received special permission, then that's where this saga should should not have developed into a saga. Yeah. You know, if he made that suggestion, I would like to use real glass in this angle and uh, no, you have to receive special permission dispensation or whatever you call it in order for you to use real glass that has not arrived that has not been forthcoming that is not going to arrive you are not going to receive that the end why did cm punk who we know jack perry doesn't like we know this because we saw jack perry talking about cm punk at that fan convention a while ago yep we know this heat between them because he's you know, in the, you know, linked or affiliated with the Young Bucks camp. So there's all this acrimony there, isn't there? There's tension, there's heat, there's problems, there's difficulties. So why would CM Punk be chosen to have this discussion when Jack Perry, when there's already underlying problems or maybe not even underlying, you know, on the surface problems there? Why didn't a member of management step in? You know, why has Punk got involved? You know, I mean, I know essentially now Punk is deciding who does and does not appear at Collision. But I mean, officially, is he a member of management yet, Kenny? I don't think he is. I don't think he is. I think it's it's as simple as they, you know, they see this as the CM Punk show. So they yeah. kind of are keeping him happy is the message. Yes, that's it. But I mean, it's just another, you know, embarrassment for Tony Khan and other people, you know, beneath him or below him on the management pecking order who need to there just needs there's no discipline there clearly that this turned into a problem it's like jack perry's like okay he's ftw champion he's making some headway as a heel finally after a really rough start mm-hmm. but i mean he's not a top player he's not a top guy he should not be barking out orders to other people or arguing with senior members of the roster or People like Tony Schiavone, who's supposed to be Tony Khan's right-hand man. I mean, where's the discipline? You know, where's the chain of command? It's like it's just fallen apart. And it's just another example of the problems that we've been talking about dating back to last summer, when it all kicked off between, you know, Hangman and um, CM Punk. And um, it's never been resolved. It needs to be resolved. Um, it doesn't look like it's going to be resolved. I mean, it would not surprise me, Kenny, if there is another almighty blow up in the near future and more people are either leave or suspended, sent home, fired or whatever. It looks like it's heading in that direction. It really does. Because I don't think Tony Khan's got the courage to address this or face this head on, get people in in the room together, sort this out. 
you know, impose the discipline that you you need in wrestling in order to run a company successfully and smoothly and, you know, without all this, you know, bother and aggro and hassle and distractions backstage. It's just getting in the way. It's, you know, it's it's not surprising anymore now, Kenny. That's, I guess, the saddest thing that could, my saddest comment on this. Yeah. It just feels predictable. It just feels normal. Yeah, you don't want that to be normalized. I mean, I said this on Tuesday, and I sort of stand by it that if 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 you know, not every leader is somebody who is good at being the bad guy. But if you're not good at being the bad guy, you need to hire somebody to be the bad guy, and you need yeah. to have them be the you know the be all and end all of of the law kind of thing. And that's yeah. what they they need to do. And I get you know, I mean, if if you're if you're Tony Khan, you're paying out as I said on Tuesday over ten million dollars to these five guys. You should absolutely be within your right for that money that you're spending to go. You only just get you know coexist in some way. You need to you need to all get in a you need to all be willing to get in a room. You need to all shake hands and you need to not deviate from the agreement. And anybody who does deviate from the agreement is fined. And anybody who deviates yeah. from it again is you know suspended. And then you know there's consequences because otherwise you can just say what you want. And you know that's more punk side than the other side because they, to be fair, haven't you know bashed him on anything i mean invariably anyway so yeah but it's it's a mess um but anyway we'll come back to the all-in card in a bit but let's talk about raw from monday so we opened the show with the judgment day coming out uh finn balor was not there for that segment he came out you know um they're trying to t- they're, they're they're you know rear up was talking about you know things haven't been going their way recently um and priest is saying that you know he's got the briefcase so you know Finn Balor's going to dominate Cody later on, but uh, Balor should be out here saying it himself. Um, but he says, you know, we're not breaking up. Uh, but he did say, we're here, where's Finn Balor? And then JD McDonough came out. So we started him going back and forth with them. Um, and then Sami Zayn comes out to try and get some revenge on McDonough. Um, and that was going to kind of set up the the Sammy and JD match next. What did you make of the opening segment in terms of continuing this Judgment Day drama that we're getting? Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was okay. I mean, Damien Priest said that the Judgment Day were not breaking up, even though Finn Balor was not there. It was say, stated that he was preparing for his match with Cody Rhodes later in the evening, on commentary, that is. And, you know, Judgment Day were like, well, why isn't he here? And then JD McDonough came out. He's Finn Balor's friend. And Balor um, was basically using JD as a mouthpiece. And JD, JD told... Priest and Rhea and Dominic Mysterio that should, they should concentrate on their real enemies who are Sami Zayn and uh, Cody Rhodes and the others. Um, and that led to the Sami Zayn versus JD McDonough match. Um, we should mention that Wade Barrett on commentary brought up JD's knowledge of human anatomy. So that's followed him into onto the main roster. That's followed him onto Raw. Yeah. Oh, you know. He knows sure. where to hit someone where it hurts, Kenny. He does, he does. I mean, we saw that last week with his uh, his attack on Sami Zayn. Um, I was quite surprised yeah. to see Sami Zayn then wrestling as well, especially with that elbow thing last week. It looked brutal. Well, it did, yeah. I mean, I was really surprised that he was that he was in the ring, and obviously they got strict procedures in WWE. And if he hadn't received medical clearance, then he wouldn't have been in the ring. And they obviously said, "Listen, you can do a match," and you know, it was. It wasn't the best we've seen from Sami Zayn, but it's quite a long match. It was back and forth. He took a lot of bumps. 
Um, I mean, the fans got into it. This was McDonough's biggest match to date on the main roster. And Zayn pinned McDonough after the Haluva kicks. So I think that was, you know, this was progress for JD, I felt. Yes. Yeah. It was, and also, I think Sammy needed the win as well because Sammy Absolutely. had taken a lot of losses. Absolutely. So. Yeah. I mean, it's far too soon for, you know, JD to be beating stars of the magnitude of Sammy's in. Yeah, for sure. Um, elsewhere, Ch- Chelsea Green basically is is courting who her new tag team partner is going to be, um, rather than them giving up the belts again. And you know, um, uh, Caden Carter and Katana Chance basically come in and say they want to challenge Green or new partner. And then Piper Nevin comes in and you know uh, gives uh, Katana Chance a boot, and then she tells Green that she's her new partner. And um, took one of the title belts and kind of didn't give it a choice. What do you think of the idea of Piper as the the new champ of the cursed belts? Uh, well, I've written about this in the magazine, so I just finished what's going down last night <laughs> um, nine fifty two p.m. So that was a another long day, just like old times. Actually, not like old times because if it was like old times, it would have been two a.m. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I thought this was lame. I really did. I just thought, is this the best you can do? No, it isn't. You could have done better, but you don't care about this division anymore. I think that's the top and bottom of it. I just think WWE has given up on its tag team, women's tag team championship, which is, yeah, real shame. Good good role for Niven. She's been on main event, hasn't done anything in months. So she's back in the frame, but... um, yeah, I think there's a lot of other things they could have done. Alba Fire and Isla Dawn could have been involved in this. Um, Chance and Carter, who presumably will receive a title match with Green and Niven. I mean, hopefully Carter and Chance will win the belts and maybe they'll get a chance to you know do something and become regulars. I don't know. But, you know, the thing that worries me about this is that I just sense that WWE just treats these uh, belts as a bit of a joke. Yeah, and I mean the thing is, it's like even if if uh, Katana Chance and Caden Carter win the titles next week or whatever, it's like, well, are, are they going to get a proper run? Because whoever wins it never feels like they're able to do anything with it because they, yeah. they don't really push them. So, um, I, I'm very happy for Piper and Nevin that she's doing something. Um, I hope that she can break the curse of the belts. But yeah, I, I in in some ways I hope that they have like a little run for a while before they lose them and can be built up because I think Chelsea Green is very funny. And she's a good kind of comedy character. So her yeah. and Piper is the kind of the, the you know the the bodyguard type person could be fun. But yeah, like you know they have to put time and effort into it if they want to make it work. And the thing is with Green as well is she's been playing this character for a while now, and it needs more depth. Yeah. It's just so lightweight, superficial. It's it's not developed or progressed in any way since he, since she was you know reintroduced to TV as this Karen character. Yeah. So I want to see more from her. Um, she's not very good in the ring. I think she's, I mean, I'd like to believe that she's going to get better, but she's been doing this for a long time now, and this is probably as good as it's going to get. So, I mean, she, you know, in order to compensate for a, for a mediocre, you know, ring performances, this character needs to grow beyond what we've seen from her so far is if she, she's to have any sort of real longevity on Raw and not end up on main events. Yeah. The, I mean, it's so ironic isn't it, that it's called main event. 
because it puts you nowhere near the main event. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they might as well call it Jobberville, man. Yeah, Jobberville 101. Um, I did want to ask you about, uh, we got some build for the, the inevitable Gunther and Chad Gable match with a promo between them before Gable then uh, defeats Giovanni Vinci. How did you feel about, the about did they do a good job of making Gable feel like some form of threat to Gunther or was it too comedic? What did you think? Um, I mean, again, we've talked about this. I mean, I can't believe that Gunter is going to lose the belt, you know, before he breaks Honky's record. So I think the match, because it's going to be next week, isn't it? Yeah. Chad Gable versus Gunter. Yeah. So we're going to see that title match next week. Yeah, and we saw we saw Gunther beat Otis here as well. I thought they did an okay yeah. job. I think, like you say, part of the issue is that they're kind of hampered by what the Drew and the Drew match was hampered with at SummerSlam. Yeah. You don't really buy there's a chance because of the, the record. So, I mean, as but, soon as we get to September 11th, you know, the September 11th Raw, at that point, I think we will be able to believe that Gunter might lose. So yes. I'm really looking forward to, you know, mid-September, actually. <laughs> I mean, I think Gable and Gunter will have a really good match. They've had good matches before. They're both you know, exceptional in the ring, you know their characters inside out. Um, so I think that match will deliver. I mean, Gable versus Vinci. Vinci was was okay. I mean, Gable won with the Chaos Theory suplex. I mean, Vinci, of course, wasn't going to defeat Gable because we know that Gable's going to face Gunter next week. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this was kind of a mismatch, a very predictable outcome. And then when Gunter challenged Otis, we knew exactly who was going to win that match. So it's all very predictable. So, you know, once we get to mid-September, hopefully things will become more interesting when it comes to the Imperium crew. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, we can't talk about everything on Raw, but we should talk about the Seth Rollins-Nakamura segment. Obviously, Nakamura turned on Rollins last week in the main event. <clears throat> so this week was kind of a setup for them going to have um, their inevitable title match. Um, I was pretty underwhelmed by this, to be honest. I mean, it's Nakamura, so, you know, you, you can't ask for too much, but... I don't know. It was okay, but it just it kind of it, it struck me. You know, we talked to Gunther and Chad Gable, and there being sort of no chance. And I mean, I think there's more chance of Otis getting <laughs> the pin for Gable and and facing Roman Reigns in London at All In for AEW <laughs> than there is of Nakamura beating Rollins. <laughs> so well, I mean, I've underestimated Nakamura many times this year, Kenny. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't think he's going to defeat Rollins either. But then again, back in April, I thought he was going to be sacked in the next round of the layoffs. And here sure. he is challenging Seth Rollins. And um, so, um, yeah, I mean, it was OK. I mean, you know, Nax, obviously, obviously, Nax got the language barrier. So, you know, it's never that brilliant when he's required to speak. Um, I mean, I think Rollins should have really stepped up and done more here. And it was a bit odd that... They shook hands, didn't they? Because like Rollins, yes. you know, I'm not a difficult guy to find. I'm a fine champion. All you had to do was ask, and I would have volunteered to defend the title against you. You know, put it there. But well, he didn't say put it there, pal. But they shook hands, didn't they? Um, yes. Which was bizarre after the heel turn the previous week. And then Nakamura laid Rollins out with a uh, Kinsasha from Kinsasha from behind. Kinsasha, Kinsasha, Kinsasha. Have I pronounced <laughs> that correctly? Yeah, yeah, the Kinsha, yeah, you that you have. Kinsasha from behind. So I felt Rollins looked like a you know a bit of an imbecile, really. Naive and foolish. So obviously Nakamura's not going to defeat him now <laughs> <laughs> after he made Rollins look like an idiot. 
Um, but yes, yeah, a bit of an old segment, really. And a bit of a letdown as well after the heel turn, which I thought was, you know, very well presented and very well executed and, you know, reheated Nakamura to some extent. So um... there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, a bit of a letdown, really. But I think I think the match... Well, I think the match good. will be pretty good when it happens. I think the yeah. match will deliver, but you're right. It's, you know, who believes really that Nag's going to win? I mean, no one. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's like, it's like you know, we're, you give, we give AEW a tough time for, you know, some of the build to all in and some of the matches for it. So, I mean, with WWE, it's like, you know, you have Nakamura turn on Rollins, which is meant to be this big moment. And then the follow-up kind of makes Rollins look quite dumb for just kind of accepting Nakamura's handshake. Um, and then also, you know, I know you mentioned the language barrier, but, you know, you've got Asuka, who has got the language barrier, but she's very dynamic when she yeah. does promos and she kind of just somehow makes it work where she doesn't really speak English, she'll speak the odd word of English, but she's so captivating when she's got the microphone. But Nakamura is like, you can tell he does not want to do the promos. Like he's just like, ugh. You know, I don't speak the language. You just get this vibe from him. So, yeah, I think the match will be good, but, you know, the the, the build is leaving a bit to be desired, but we'll see. Um, speaking of builds, Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus obviously was left off the SummerSlam card. Then it was announced for this show. I, I think we assumed this was going to be the big main event match, but now I assume it's going to be at payback. So they end up doing a, a sort of 11 and a half minute match where they fight to a double countout and they brawl afterwards and and they have, they, you know, they brawl up to like the the, the mayor's table, and uh, they're fighting. And then, of course, Zoe Stark ends up uh, being the catalyst to putting Becky down with the, the chick kick. Um, so this ended up being more of a setup for something else rather than the the big blow off match. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, we should point out that Zoe Stark was barred from ringside during the match, so yeah. she only appeared when they were in the concourse near the fight near the merch table uh, or the merch stand. Um, I mean, I thought it was okay. I mean, Stratus, I've used that word okay a few times in this review. I need to develop and extend and my vocabulary is just, I think maybe I've worn myself out on the magazine, Kenny. Hopefully I haven't. Maybe there's just a lot of stuff this week that has not penetrated your mind to be more exciting than okay. Maybe that's the Yeah, I mean, it was was average. I mean, it was deliberate, of course. We now know this, that it was deliberate because it was designed to lead to another match, the cage match, um, when Adam Pearce, you know, confronted Trish Stratus 
Um, and Zoe started backstage and said, listen, you're going to face Becky again. There'll be no running away this time. There'll be no count outs. This match will be in a cage. So hopefully it will be a payback. Um, I think that does seem like, um, you know, a, a fitting destination or fitting event on which this feud should end. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it was it was an average match. I think the, the post-match brawl saved it to an extent. I mean, the they were counting out as they fought over the barrier. Then they fought up through the uh, crowd, went up the stairs and into the you know concourse area near the merchandise stand. And it continued for a while. And Stark turned up and they laid Becky Lynch out. And then afterwards, Stratus and Stark were celebrating, you know, their plan and their plots that they'd hatched to lay Becky out. And, um, you know, Trish was acting like that was it. The feud was over. There was going to be no more matches between them. And they'd kind of got the last laugh. And then Adam Pearce said, no, there will be a cage match between you, Trish, and Becky Lynch. Didn't say when, but yeah, we assume it's going to be a payback. So it was, I mean, it was, I kind of, I guess you could call it a means to an end. I mean, we thought it was going to be the big blow off in this climactic match, and it wasn't. And if you're a fan of these two, Lynch and Stratus, you know, maybe you'll be, you know, elated that this feud is continuing and they're going to have an even bigger match in a cage at a later date. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it feels bigger than the Rollins Nakamura match. So I think it, I think people just have that slightly sour taste in their mouth with SummerSlam. But I think if the cage match delivers and is on payback, what it probably should be. Uh, I think they can deliver something that people will see as memorable and, and worth the wait. So hopefully they do. Yeah, I mean, we've only got two more episodes of Raw, haven't we, before payback? So, yeah. it did, I mean, if it was going to be next week, they would have announced it. I can't imagine they're going, to hold, they're going to hold a match of this magnitude on the Raw the week before payback. No. And like you say, you know, Adam Pearce uh, told uh, Trish and Zoe that, uh, you know, there's going to be a cage match against uh, Becky, but it wasn't announced when that would be. So yeah. we should hopefully find that out next week. Um, and then the main event was Cody Rhodes versus Finn Balor. There was another backstage segment with Finn Balor uh, kind of getting in between Priest and McDonough again. Um, and in the end here, you know, kind of similar to before, the briefcase ended up being involved. I mean, the spot where Priest tries to pass the briefcase to Balor and, and, and Cody stops, it was a great spot, to be fair. Um, it looked great. It looked tremendous, didn't he? Shoved yeah. it. I mean, I, he must have practiced it. I mean, and that's a big pressure spot, isn't it, to get oh, that yeah. right? And yeah. you think, well, that'd be dead easy. But you've got to shove it. You know, it's got to, it went, had to go through, had to go between Balor's legs. Mm-hmm. And then Balor had to pretend to not catch it. And then Cody caught it, clobbered Finn with it and scored the pin. Yeah. So at least Balor was protected on the pin. I mean, it was another loss for Balor, wasn't it? But at least it was after... Uh, Priest's interference had backfired. Yes, exactly. So, um, and I thought the main event was really good. I thought it was fun. You know, Cody, Cody's so over in this role and Balor is doing great work. The, the Judgment Day stuff is really fun. Um, afterwards, we had uh, the Judgment Day beating down Cody, then Sami Zayn comes out with a chair. Um, and then, of course, JD McDonough appears. He takes out Sami. Um, and Cody, and, and, so, and it goes on and on and on. And we should point out at this point, Kenny, that um, Priest and Ripley and Dominic Mysterio are reluctant to have JD around, yes, but he yes. was very helpful to them here in this post-match brawl. Had he not shown up, maybe they wouldn't have got the better of the babyfaces. 
Yes, so, so that's kind of the the, the push pull, right? Of, do yes. they want to have him around because they don't like him? I mean, I will say this: I, I don't know if McDonough is hundred percent working for me in the role yet, but I get what they're going for, and it, maybe it's you know sometimes when somebody gets put in a role that's way bigger than you thought they would be in, it just takes a bit of time for them to feel like they've it, it feels natural, they feel a part of it. I don't feel yeah. like I'm there yet with them, but I'm willing to go with it because I, I get what they're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, I was not really a fan of his at first in NXT UK, and um, and he did grow on me as a performer, and I thought he seemed totally in over his head when he got to NXT America, but he ended up getting over there and doing well and really proving himself in the ring and as a character. So, um, I mean, this is a big step up, um, but, I mean, he's got people around him that are rooting for him, and I think he's a talented wrestler, and there was... There was a response to him in the match with Zayn at the beginning of the show. So, you know, I think he's going to be all right. I think he's probably going to do well. And this was a heck of a post-match beatdown by the Judgment Day. I mean, Priest ended up razor, razor's edging Zayn through the announce table. And it was a great down Cody. So, I mean, then Judgment Day stood tall at the end. So, I mean, I think they needed that after Balor had lost again. Yeah, and, and you, you had the dynamic of Damian Priest and Finn Balor hugging with like McDonough kind of looking on, but not like being in with them. So you know they're 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 leading you uh, down a path, and yeah, hopefully. I mean, I don't know what the end goal should be. I mean, I would like to see the Judgment Day thing keep going for months and and have twists and turns, but we'll see. We'll see how they we'll see how they do it. Um, yeah. I mean, you've yeah. got to figure that Priest will be successful when he cashes in on Seth Rollins. Yes. I think, I think he has to be, doesn't he? Yeah. He don't, I, I don't think you're putting this much time and effort into somebody to have them lose. No. It just doesn't strike me. Um, so that was Raw. I did want to ask you before we go. So I was watching So a little bit of a dynamite before we go. So obviously the all-in cards, I'm just going to ram through it very quickly. Right, This is the card that we've got. MGF Adam Cole for the world title. Will Osprey versus Chris Jericho. A uh, 12-man stadium stampede match with Eddie Kingston, Orange Cassidy, Best Friends and Lucha Brothers against the Blackpool Combat Club and three mystery partners. A six-man tag with Ibushi, Omega and Hangman Page against Takeshita and Bullet Club Gold, just Robinson and Jay White. Darby Allen and Sting against AR Fox and Swerve Strickland in a tag team coffin match. Hikaru uh, Shida, Tony Storm, Surya and Britt Baker in a four-way match for the women's title. Uh, and FTR versus the Bucks for the tag titles. And then obviously the MJF Cole Aussie Open match on the pre-show. So there's a lot of multi-person matches on this show. A lot of tags, a lot of whatever. But uh, so I, I, I've seen some things in Dynamite last night. You've seen some things. So I just want to talk about one of the things I saw that I was really, it was, I was scratching my head a little bit. Right. So, so in the storyline, and I want you to try and see if you can make sense of this for me, Finn. So Don Callis was courting Chris Jericho, right? Because yep. he wants, you know, they've got a long history. Bad news, Brown's looking over them from heaven, whatever. So, I mean, this is why the Jericho Appreciation Society split up because Jericho was hanging out with Don Callis, right? And then they yeah. had the match, didn't they? And yeah. they cheated to beat uh, Garcia and Sammy Guevara, wasn't it? Exactly, yeah. So, that's the whole, so the whole story is Callis is trying to court Jericho. Jericho's trying to decide what he's going to do or whether he's going to stay with the Appreciation Society. But then he kind of takes that, you know, cheating pinfall win over Garcia. And also agreed to the match against Garcia and Sammy, who are in his crew, which yeah. I don't really know why he did that. So anyway, then it leads to that big segment the Jericho Appreciation Society all kind of tell Jericho what they think of him and disband, which was actually a really good segment where they all got to tell him what they thought of him. 
And then Jericho had said to Callis last week, I'm going to, you know, next week, basically, he didn't say it, but he indicated next week I'm going to join. Next week I'm, I'm joining your, your family. So then we have the segment last night where Callis is in the ring, Jericho's there, Jericho then agrees to join Callis's family. So they hug, and Jer- and, but Callis is quite surprised that Jericho has agreed to this. So which apparently, in itself doesn't really make any sense, does it? Which doesn't make any sense because he's already basically said he's joining you and he's ditched all of his pals. Yeah. So then... They all hate him, apart from Sammy, who's, you know, doesn't what, really know. You know if, Chris, if you get get your act together, then maybe I'll be back. And, but he walked off anyway, didn't he? But he walked off anyway. So then, so Callis and, the, and Jericho then embrace because they're together. And then they're going to leave because Callis like, oh, let's go to the bar. But then there's a random painting in the corner of the ring which hasn't been referenced before and Jericho wants to know what it is and he's like, oh, is this another painting because there was the one before with bad news looking down on them from heaven and Jericho goes over and takes the, the cloth off and the painting is Don Callis holding Jericho's decapitated head which I guess indicates he thought that Jericho was going to say no and Jericho's like so you want to kill me then Will Osprey attacks Jericho from behind and leaves him bloody and laying, which is going to set up at Wembley in the UK and England a heel Will Osprey against the babyface Chris Jericho. Yeah, I mean it's a mess. Why would I mean, Ka- why would Callis why would Callis have a, a painting commissioned of Jericho's decapitated head and have it in the ring for the segment where he's going to potentially say yes to you? That's it, and it's, it's given every indication, especially now that JAS is history, what else is Jericho going to do? He's, you know, homeless. He needs Don Callis. <laughs> Why would Don think that Jericho was not going to team up with him? And I know, I know in wrestling, you know, you know, you know what it's like in wrestling, you have to have a, a you have to kind of suspend your disbelief in some ways, right? You have to kind yeah. of accept things in wrestling. But, like, you should always be able to, and you need to, you need to be able to rationalize it in some way, don't you? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And I just can't seem to. Ra- and I can't seem to rationalize it. And also, Osprey's going to get cheered because it's in England, where he's from. He's, he's the hometown boy, you know. So it feels a bit. Of a... But then Jericho's also going to get cheered. So what do you do? I just well, feel. Like make- I mean, I understand why Jericho has been presented as the face because he's a much bigger star than Osprey. Okay, Osprey's a big star in Japan, but it's not a huge star in the UK. No. He's like a you know marginal player. He's an indie guy over here. So I mean Jericho's huge, you know, he's still got the attitude era, all that WWE fame, and he's been like one of the top people in AEW since its creation in 2019. So, you know, even though he's a lot of stuff he's done has been questionable at best. So I do understand why he has been presented as the baby face in this match. I do get that part of it. But everything you just described with Don Callis and the painting is, I mean, it's like even Vince Russo. That's like beyond Vince Russo's, you know, scope of lunacy or, you know, nonsensical creative writing. I mean, why would Don Callis have done that? And I can't believe Don Callis, who's been obviously been around the business decades, been a booker himself many times, and is an intelligent guy. I can't believe that he agreed to go along with this. Presumably it was his idea. I mean, the only thing the only thing I can think of is that there's an element of this of what was supposed to happen that wasn't approved. So then it didn't make as much sense. 
Because I just can't think about why he would, even if he's going to turn on him, like, who would be dumb enough to have the painting? But, yeah. Is why, it, would you, why would you telegraph it? Why would you tell him? Why would you, why would you do this? It's just, I just can't understand it. It's just, I can't. And Jericho's obviously been doing this longer than I have. You know, Callis <laughs> has. Like, there's a lot of people involved in this who should have known how nonsensical this would have seemed to every single person watching. Because especially if, if, if you... Because this was the first week that Osprey was able to appear, right? Because the G1 had been going on, so he couldn't yeah. be there before this. So you've only really got two episodes of Dynamite to build this match properly. And it's like, the first week to have this be what people are remembering. Um, it's just, is mad. But yeah, so I, I don't get it. I don't understand the, the choice. But what I... So I, I managed to watch half of Dynamite and then I had to stop because we were recording. Can, can we just do one more little thing about it? Because I haven't watched this sure. segment, by the way. Uh-huh. So how did this end? So is is Don Callis aligned with Jericho or not? Or is oh, no. he, was he the one who basically sent Will Ospreay to attack Jericho? He sent Will Ospreay to attack Jericho. So what happened was Osprey and Takeshita attacked Jericho and bloodied him up. And then Sammy Guevara made the save for Jericho, which at least, at least, I'll give them something. At least Sammy Guevara had said, look, I'll, I'll still be there for you, but you need to be there for me. So at least he yeah. they left something with, to make it make sense that he saved them. But yeah, yeah I oh, but I mean, they put weeks and weeks and weeks into this Jericho Don Callis story. Weeks yeah. they've been on, doing this for ages, and why not run for it a while? You know, why not? You know, make us believe that Jericho and Don are a partnership, or or maybe Don could have done the heel turn. In the match at Wembley, that would have felt bigger, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd have been much better because because Callis was definitely aligned with Osprey. It wasn't like a he was shocked to see Osprey turn up or anything. So there's so many ways, ways they could have done it. It just felt like, yeah, it just felt like the kind of least interesting and also most confusing way of doing it. Yeah, so. I mean, had Don and Jericho gone into um, all in a Wembley Stadium as a partnership, but you know, we could detect some tension between them, and it wasn't, you know, it was. You know, it was an uneasy alliance. You know, that's very easy to do. And that's something that they had actually projected, hadn't they? They transmitted those vibes, you know, in all their interactions. And then Don had done the heel turn in the match, I, f- I feel. And then Jericho had somehow won anyway. Um, <laughs> or cost Jericho the match and given Osprey a tainted victory because he turned heel on Jericho. I mean, that would have been monumental. That would have been huge. And that could have led to a rematch in Chicago the following weekend, couldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and that would have been way better. You'd have had that drama, but hey-ho. But now, before we go, so I've only watched half of uh, Dynamite, and I didn't get a chance to watch the rest, but um, you had a chance to watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre match, uh, death match, with uh, Jeff Jarrett and Jeff Hardy. Um, And everyone else involved. And everyone else, and Leatherface. Um, I've seen seen some, I mean, I've seen some reviews so far of it, but talk me through uh, what this was like. Well, this was to promote um, the video game that's released on August 18th called The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, based on the the famous movie from the early 70s, to me, the greatest horror film of all time. And, um, you know, I I went through a real big horror film phase Mm -hmm. probably about 23 years ago end of the 90s, early 2000s. I was really into horror films. And you couldn't actually watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the UK. 
at the time. And then it was actually released um, in cinemas. I think maybe, I can't remember when it was, maybe 1999, 2000. And I remember going to see it at the cinema in uh, Manchester, Trafford Centre, massive Mm. auditorium. And there was me and one other person watching it. (laughs) And it was just like the power of that movie. It's unbelievable. In contrast, (laughs) this match was, it reminded me, you know, of the Army of the Dead match between Miz and Damien Priest, wasn't it, Kenny? During the lockdown era which was like one of the daftest things that's ever been presented. I mean, up there we'd like Robocop appearing at Capital Combat 1990, you know, the Yeti, you know, just all the silly giant Gonzales, you know, and just like really dumb, stupid things that have happened in pro wrestling history. And this match, this Texas Chainsaw Massacre death match between Jeff Hardy and Jeff Jarrett, to me, is down there with all of them. It belongs on the all-time reel of dumbest matches in wrestling history. I mean, it was just, you got Karen Jarrett was there, Matt Hardy was there, Ethan Page, um, Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, uh, Satnam Singh. There's just all these people involved. And then a guy dressed as Leatherface with a chainsaw comes out and chases Karen Jarrett to the back and she's pretending to be this damsel in distress running away Fay Ray running away from King Kong or or whatever the woman was called who ran away from Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm sorry I can't remember her name. Mm-hmm. But this was just dumb on so many levels. It was just absurd. It was so bad that Tony Schiavone, a man with very little shame, a man who has been around wrestling for what nearly 40 years or maybe even 40 years now. It's something like that. You could just, he, he, he was, you could detect his shame. He was just ashamed of this match. He was embarrassed by this match. You know, he was just, he was just cringing on commentary. I mean, like, you know, Excalibur said, you know, this is one of the most bizarre matches in AEW history. And they were just like dying of embarrassment on commentary as mm. Hardy and Lethal are running around backstage in this sort of mock horror film setup. I mean, remember the, you know, the Bray Wyatt-Randy Orton match? That was yep. terrible as well, wasn't it? The match setting the, what was that called? What was House the... of Horrors, House of Terrors. House oh, of... my God. I mean, that was just absurd as well. But, I mean, <laughs> at least that had a little bit of a creepy tinge to this. This was just stupid. So, yeah, they were doing all this stuff backstage. and Karen Jarrett was involved, and you can't take anything seriously if she's involved in it. And then there's, like, all these run-ins, and then they ended up in the ring. And there was like one high spot in this match. Jeff Hardy swantoned Jeff Jarrett through a table. Looked really good. I mean, the audience who were just like mystified, bewildered by what's unfolding. It's like, yay, look at that swanton. And it wasn't the finish and the match continued. And in the end, I think, was it Jay Lethal hit Hardy over the head with a hammer? And then Jarrett scored the pin. And it was just this you know, deflating ending to this <laughs> utter absurdity. Have you seen it, Kenny? No, no, I'm, not, I'm, I'm going to watch it pretty much immediately after we record today because I'm very excited to see how bad it is. It, yeah. But I mean, I've not heard one, I mean, I, I've, I, I scrolled to the Twitter right before we came on and, you know, I, a lot of the stuff you were saying, you know, people just say, oh, it's, it's one of the worst matches ever and it's, and I've not seen one good review. But I'm, I'm I'm hoping that because I know it's going to be so bad that I'll be able to enjoy it because I'll be prepared. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
I do love the idea of Leatherface being a transitional moment in a wrestling match. Like, I mean, I, I, did Leatherface at least, did he look? No, he, he didn't he look, look like that. I mean, we'd had, we've had guys like Super Leather and there was Leatherface. And yeah. They were in, um, was it IWA Japan? I think Wing as well. And, um, you know, they, they would actually, there was a very famous uh, spot where uh, one of them used a chainsaw on Matsunaga's head. And one assumes that, you know... <laughs> You know, it was just a blade job and not real. And I can't remember who it was. It's super leather. And he, he had these, like, fireworks attached to the chainsaw. So when he came out and fired it up, all these fireworks shot from the chainsaw. That was impressive. You know, but it's... It, the character was just, you know, just silly. And you couldn't take it seriously, even in the garbage promotions when it was supposed to, you know, be a source of terror. I mean, mm-hmm. here on AEW, it was just, you know, a source of just embarrassment and you know it just seemed like a parody of a wrestling match like if you you set out to parody pro wrestling and make pro wrestling look completely ridiculous and absurd and you know just you know a form of entertainment you know that people would just laugh at you would present a match like this well i i look forward to watching it for sure um but listen that's all the time we've got for uh today and um we will be back with the overrun the next couple of days um where we are going to take listener questions and we'll be back next week for more there'll be more craziness next week then as there always is <laughs> well absolutely yeah no grado on dynamite kenny i know maybe it's not gonna happen maybe it's not gonna happen so um... have they announced it yet Jared grado no they've not so i don't know if it is gonna happen but um you know we we'll see hopefully it does i think it'll be good um but yeah anyway well listen we want to thank you for all your support everybody uh, we will be back next week where hopefully Grado and uh, Jeff Jarrett will have been announced so <laughs> we will uh, talk to you then so thank you for listening everybody and we'll talk to you soon Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.